What up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined as always by my esteemed co-host and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. What's up, Chaz? What up, Laker Nation? What's good, Chris? Good to be home, man. We are back at it after a one-week layoff. Got another good one for all you fans of the purple and gold. How has the coups evolved? Has Trez figured it out? Will the Lakers get somebody at the deadline? And is LeBron the MVP? We are breaking that all down and more on a special edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms. And when I say all social media platforms, that now includes Twitter. We are back. We are back in the Twitter sphere. Back, baby. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow us at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. You can also follow us on our website, theshowtimeforum.com. That's the, T-H-E, showtimeform.com. Chaz. Chris. Back, man. Uh, you know, we took a little bit of a some time off with, uh, w- with the All-Star break, and now we got a couple of games to talk about. Lakers 3-0 after the break. It feels good to be back, right? Absolutely. Uh, we had a... Good little time off last week with the All-Star break. I, we both had some personal stuff going on uh, that obviously made us a little bit more busy, but it feels so good to be back talking Laker basketball with you. And you're going to get us for the home stretch since we're coming down in the second half of the season, gearing up for the playoffs, Western Conference finals, and eventually the finals. So Absolutely. And we're trying to stagger these shows as well, so it, it doesn't happen on a – an actual game. I mean, it's kind of difficult to record during an actual game. So we're trying to stagger them. So our schedule could be a little bit erratic, but we're going to do our very best to get you every podcast every week when possible. And on this edition, we got a very special guest, uh, a a Lakers beat writer, Laker reporter, Nick Hamilton, somebody I've known for a long, long time. He'll be joining us very shortly to talk about the state of the team. That's the guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this guy not only covers the Lakers, he covers everybody in LA sports. So we're, we're going to, we're going to have him on very shortly. Uh, talk about the state of the team trade deadline buyout already. The dominoes are starting to fall. We saw it on Wednesday afternoon, Trevor Ariza, somebody I had been advocating for on this program is now headed to South beach where he had already Damn. been. Yeah, so Miami, Pat Riley makes a fantastic move. So for the second straight year, they get a veteran that the Lakers, I'm sure, had interest in, but ends up going to South Beach instead. Uh, P.J. Tucker, somebody else, is headed to Milwaukee in a trade. So already some moves starting to happen on the trade deadline, huh? Yeah, I was – that P.J. Tucker one, that took me out, man. We, You know, we we have our Slack, Lakers Slack, with all of our Showtime guys. And I know a few Laker fans that have. I still got to get caught up on that. <laughs> I know, but I was man that took me out because I really wanted PJ Tucker. But then I thought about it some more. Thought about who we would have to give up. Thought about what the team would look like. Thought about you know how much more time AD might be out, and thought better of it. But man, did Milwaukee somewhat redeem themselves right for that Bogdanovich mess up with the trade last uh, or the signing? No, was a trade. Oh no, it was it was going to be a trade, yeah. Trade, yeah. Be a trade, and I yeah. want to say Dante Divincenzo was going to be in that trade. But now you get a guy, PJ Tucker, thirty-five years old. Um, 
obviously was not happy in Houston. Houston's basically having a garage sale. They've already traded Westbrook last summer. They've traded James Harden. They've traded uh, Clint Capella. They, they now have traded PJ Tucker. I got to imagine Eric Gordon could be next, maybe even Vi- uh, Victor Oladipo. So Houston is basically having a fire sale. It is a dark time uh, to be a, a Houston sports fan, man, with all the stuff that they're going through. But we're going to get into all of that a little bit later on. But one guy, you know, you talk about who the Lakers couldn't trade. If this was a year ago, it would be a much different story. It's Kyle Kuzma, Chaz, the guy that you have been the captain of that fan club has really evolved his game. I'm not even going to say improved. I'm going to say evolved. We're not only just seeing Kyle Kuzma, the score. We're seeing now Kyle Kuzma, the rebounder, committed to that end. And now all of a sudden, Chaz, Kyle Kuzma, the playmaker? If Kyle Kuzma was a stock, let's say Kyle Kuzma was Bitcoin, I'd be Jeff Bezos right now (laughs) with what I invested with Kuz. I knew Kuz was going to be everything that he is, and he still has a long way to go. But Kyle Kuzma has played even better than I thought he could play, right? Like, when you talk about Kyle Kuzma, you talk about his scoring, his playmaking. We talk about, you know, who can playmake between Anthony Davis and Kuz, what – other elements he can bring to his game. And not only has he done that, but he's done defensive playmaking, uh, switching. I saw a play last night where LeBron was just completely out of position and Kuz is telling him, yo, you know, you missed a spot here. And yeah. LeBron fixed it on the next possession. And, and Kyle Kuzma has that, that leadership quality and he has that effort for the team. He's a key guy. And not only is he playing defense and making plays on both ends of the court, but He's making the extra pass. He's the IQ is raising at an exponential level. So I'm just proud of him. If he's listening, if he ever hears this, obviously he might hear about me at some point with as as much stock as I put in him, as well as many others. I mean, right. Rob Palenka, uh, the, the Laker family, the uh, Joey Buzz, all of the scouts, those guys have done a great job with spotting him. And Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson deserves some of that credit as well. As, right as well as somebody else and other people may not want to give him, but Magic Johnson, his handprints are all over this team still. So no don't, doubt. Forget, don't forget that. Those are great points. The thing about Kyle Kuzma for me is the evolution. It, and in year four, it was sort of a make or break time. Now we knew Kyle Kuzma when he was held over from the massive package that went to New Orleans for Anthony Davis we knew we don't need this guy to be what Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown are doing in Boston or what Brandon Ingram has now become. We need this guy to be comfortable in a third role option, right? Next to Anthony Davis, next to LeBron. Be comfortable taking less shots. Be comfortable doing other things besides scoring. Be comfortable standing in the corner sometimes and waiting for the ball to, to come to you. I know Chris Bosh and Kevin Love, and I've said this on this program and others many times, they always said playing next to LeBron as a third option is probably one of the most difficult things in your career, especially when you're used to being the man, the, the guy that is touching the ball in every possession that the offense flows through. But we saw Kuz kind of go up and down last year, but it was during the pre-shutdown in March where I saw the flashes of what he could be if he were to lock in on those other areas of his game, the rebounding, the playmaking, the hustle plays, the energy, doing kind of like what Alex Caruso does. You know, Alex Caruso's line doesn't always jump at you, but guess what? His plus minus is always up because of all the little things that he does. And that's what a championship team 
needs. It needs guys that are going to be willing to pick up the slack in other areas besides scoring. And guess what? A lot of the nights where Kyle Kuzma scored 18, 19, 20 points with a healthy AD and LeBron, Lakers usually lost or, or they didn't look that good. Yeah. So the games where he would have like seven, eight points, 11 rebounds, maybe a couple of assists, good hustle, good energy, good flow, solid defense. Those, those are the games he really excelled at. And now he's really buying in. And the, the question I think I have with Kyle Kuzma is, can he maintain this level even after Anthony Davis comes back, which we still don't know when it is. It could be at the end of this month. Could be early. I'm still thinking it's going to be early April, Chaz, at some point in time, early to mid April. I mean, we'll, we'll see where he's at. You know, yeah. obviously they're not going to rush him back. Like that. Yeah. So obviously the Lakers got to get used to being without AD. And right now it's sort of, at least through these first three games, is from the second half of the Indiana game, or I should say from the fourth quarter of the Indi- Indiana game on, they have looked like they have bought in, they figured some things out. And once again, I ask you, can Kyle Kuzma keep this up the rest of the season with or without AD? Yes, he can. Clearly, he's shown me, as well as many others, that he can just do it at a very high level consistently now because he's figuring out different parts of his game, right? If it's not his shot selection, it's him getting the, the offensive rebounds and getting put back dunks. If it's not making great passes, it's making the extra pass, the hockey assist to KCP to get other guys going uh, to make sure that the team is gelling. And what I love specifically about the last two games in which LeBron James did have back-to-back triple doubles on back-to-back literal nights as well, I might add, is the way that the team has played together and the balanced scoring attack that's been on display these last couple of nights. And I like Markeith Morris playing well and KCP coming back and actually making a few shots. He was two or four the other night and even Wesley Matthews getting, getting involved. But I believe that Kuzma is the key off the bench. And we'll talk about another key player coming off the bench in Montrezl Harrell later on. But right. I think that between Kuz and Montrez Harrell, I think Kuz is the, the perfect person to bring it all together between the first unit and the second unit, right? Because he doesn't start, but he finishes games, as you can see, especially now with AD being out. But he was, even with AD in the game, Kyle Kuzma has been finishing games and was finishing games in certain spots as well. So I think he can keep it up. I think his scoring uptake is uh, is going to go up as well, eventually at some point as the season wears on. Right. And I'm just I'm just excited for him. I think that the sky is the limit. And you think about the core of the team post LeBron, right? Like that's just what Laker fans do. If you're just always thinking about the team, now you have a core of Anthony Davis, THT, and Kyle Kuzma mm-hmm. that you have moving forward. And now with Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder being extension eligible he might definitely be another key to that core moving forward post LeBron so uh can't wait but I think we got something special coming up right now is that right well on that note I just think it would be a great time to bring on our guest this is somebody I've known for a very long time I I think we've known each other now seven years we were both writing for a site together a long time ago he is a friend he is a mentor he is a colleague he is also the founder of Nightcast Media a Lakers reporter, host of the TMA show on Slam Radio, Sirius XM. He covers all SoCal teams. You could hear him on Fox Sports Radio, AM 570, lunchtime with Rogan and Rodney. And you could also see him on Going Rogan. He is my good friend, the great Nick Hamilton. Nick, thanks for joining us. Hey, man, thanks for having me, man. The check is in the mail. (laughs) 
Good to see you, Nick. Good to meet you. Good to see you, you too, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. It's been it's been a long long time, but big fan of your work and you know what you've been doing not only for LA scene but just the sports scene in general. So wanted to say that. First Appreciate time. it, man. Yeah, Nightcast Media is is the uh, is the company that we pushing right now. It's the line we pushing. So. Uh, definitely appreciate you guys having me on and uh you know uh, god has it been seven years chris my goodness gracious i thought it was 15 good lord <laughs> y'all go way back <laughs> we go we go way back uh to what what was it a- angel spring training 2014 i didn't even know this guy I show up at his uh, house and i and i said to him i guess we're carpooling to arizona but you know what though it it's in that moment that you develop a, a, a connection with somebody who could help propel you a certain way in the career. And I've always been appreciative and grateful for that. So just to give everyone a little bit of insight on our relationship, you know, it's been, it's been a, it's been a rocky seven years at times. No, I'm just kidding. It's been good. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. I know. Ain't, ain't no point of sugarcoating it. I mean, that's exactly what it was and what it is. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's a lot, but that's life, you know, it it's, it's, yeah. it, that's how you, have to navigate your way through life, especially in the last, you know, I would say 12 to 15 months, all of us have had to navigate a different way. Sure. Uh, unfortunately through this, you know, this, this deadly pandemic that we've all had to get through. So between that and police brutality and, and the hate crimes dom- now that is domestic, yeah. domestic yeah. white terrorism. And first of all, my thoughts and prayers and hearts go out to the families of those uh, victims uh, in the Asian community, uh, as well as the other victims that may not have been Asian, but worked at those parlors when it comes to, you know, them being slain the way that they were slain. They had, they shouldn't have been that. We shouldn't even be having this conversation right now. No, uh, no, we shouldn't. In our country. So. No, and, and in 2021, it's it's still happening and it's it's sickening. It's sickening. And and all these teams that are putting out statements to acknowledge the the tragic shootings and senseless killings. I mean, it's, it's too much. It's too much that we've seen in a condensed time. And you know, all we could do is, is send our thoughts and prayers and continue to speak out about this. But I'm glad you brought that up, Nick, because, you know, obviously, Chaz and I, we just like yourself, we try to provide an escape. But sometimes the two collide. And even if they don't, it, you need to speak out about it. And Chaz and I, we've done many shows, not even talking about the Lakers, not even talking about NBA, just talking about what's going on in the world. And those have been some of those most difficult shows. Right, Chaz? Yeah. And thank you, Nick, as well, for calling it what it is, domestic white terrorism. Um, and that's what some of these media outlets have gone away from and, and don't want to call it that, but I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, uh, call it what it is, whether, <laughs> whether, it, whether it's on black people, Hispanic people, Asian people now um, with, with the hate crimes, it's just, you know, it's gotten out of hand. So yeah. Yeah. I, I love uh, the, all subjects. I mean, I love the fact of seeing, you know, the Lakers organization come out with a statement. I think, I think they came out with a statement. I know the yeah, Sparks organization Sparks came did. out with a statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, several other teams did too, but, yeah, you definitely got to stop Asian hate, but you also have to stop terrorism. And that's the that's that goes across the board. So I don't want to sound like all lives matter type of person. But, yeah, we definitely have to stop Asian hate for sure because um, it's uncalled for. And we need to be able to be safe where we dwell, no matter what nationality or origin or sexual orientation you may be. We all need to be able to dwell in our respective areas and safely and feel safe. So... You know, it's just it's it's a sad situation, man. And I, I'm glad to be a part of sports and pop culture enough to, like you said, give give people an escape to what's going on around you, but still be informative. Yeah. Um, and using your platform responsibly. So couldn't couldn't yeah. say it better myself, Nick. So with all that, thank you for for being on. Uh, let's get in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's get into the Lakers. So 
We were just talking about the evolution of Kyle Kuzma and how he has really been fantastic, especially through these first three games uh, out of the all-star break and the connection that him and Montrez Harrell have actually developed the chemistry off the bench. They've become kind of like a one, two punch. And normally you see Trez with a guard. You saw him for years. Obviously you and I have covered the Clippers with Lou Williams, be a dominant one, two punch off the bench. Talk about the connection between Kuzma and Trez and how have they both been able to just figure it out during this time? Well, let me take a step back, if I may, and let me just highlight Kyle Kuzma. Because when you look at Kyle Kuzma, there's been a lot of things said in the last few years about who is going to be that third guy to step up. Is Kyle Kuzma really the guy? Does he really have the talent that everybody says he has? Is LeBron off by, you know, keeping him and letting all the other young guys be traded and move on? And the thing about it is, yes, he he is definitely comfortable. He's found his niche. He's found his rhythm, and he's been flourishing in that ever since. And I think this is probably the best he's been coached, the best he's played since he's been a part of the Lakers squad, and he's truly maturing into his own. And the fact that Kyle Kuzma is a guy that you're looking at like, oh, snap, that dude is a threat now. Before, you didn't say that too much. No. You were no. hoping it, and you would you would say, okay, man, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kick in anytime soon. It's like you at that crap table in Vegas, you, you rolling, you like, all right, man, as long as I don't crap out, all right, it's my I, game I, too. I hit, I hit, I hit, I hit. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, okay. But, and now all of a sudden, you know, he's hitting. He's hitting on all cylinders. He's, he's being the offensive rebounder. He's shooting well. He's, he's, he has a lot more confidence. But I also say, too, I believe Kyle Kuzma is playing with sort of a chip on his shoulder to prove everybody wrong. And there have been a lot of questions about, well, hey, when, when AD does return, is Kyle Kuzma going to be the same Kyle Kuzma? I believe so. Now, he may be in a slightly different role as far as, you know, with AD coming back, but I don't think his confidence is going to turn off not one bit. The man is dripping with confidence. The J stays wet. Um, and that's what you need from a guy like him, especially in these times where you don't have your big man who's going to be out for the foreseeable future, where they say, well, the next, the next three to four weeks, possibly. Right. Um, I'm hoping personally that Kyle Kuzma uses this time to continue to develop and, and, and fine tune his skills. Now, when you asked me about him and Trez, you know, LeBron talked about Trez, you know, being on this team. And at that time, it was about 37, 38 games in. And it's like, man, this is a system that's not easy to learn. So for, for Trez to flourish at spurts that we've seen him flourish in, you got to remember the times he, he doesn't look so great. He's still trying to figure things out. This is a brand new system. Mind you, he's been under a completely different system for the past several years with the Los Angeles Clippers and being around Lou Williams. So now he's got to get acclimated to a whole new system a short, you know, a, a short off season, no get engaged, yeah. limited practices, uh, being able to work out on his own. And then we yeah. also unfortunately saw the, the tweets that, you know, he was dealing with some mental, uh, some mental situations. So fortunately he was able to get out of that. I'm happy. Uh, I was at the game when they first came back and I saw Jeannie Buss kind of, you know, hug him and, you know, say something, you know, say some words to him, which I thought was really, really, uh, Great. You, you know, humane. For her to do that, uh, to come to the game, I know she reached out to him on Twitter, but to to physically, you know, in person, come to him and just hug him and, and, and share some words with him, I thought that was just the class personified person that she is, um, and I think that helped him as well, just to kind of let let him know, hey, you are loved, you are welcomed here, we do want you here, and that 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 weighs a lot on the guy's psyche. So I think we're going to continue to see the development of Montrez Harrell, but then you see. 
the the cohesiveness between him and Kuz and being able to really click on all cylinders. And I think you're going to see spurts where it looks like, damn, man, what the hell is going on here? And then you're going to see like, whoa, okay, like we saw against the, the Minnesota Timberwolves where they exactly. were just clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, Trez was a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to take time in order to get these guys really flourishing and really get going. Uh, but when they do, it's going to be a freight train that can't be stopped. And to me, I love the pick and roll. I think Trez is really starting to find his way through the pick and roll right. on that squad. Um, but th- those guys are really together. And I think having a guy uh, like LeBron James, we all know what he represents and what he what he puts on the team. But to me, the guys that don't get a lot of the credit, like a Jared Dudley, uh, who really you know is is pretty much the energizer bunny to that squad. He's really the the energy the energy uh, portion of that squad. Um, yeah, he doesn't do a lot of stuff, you know, when he on, on the stat sheets every single night, but he does provide something that stat sheets don't pick up, which is camaraderie which is energy and i think guys each other they all feed off of that and i think that's what makes a recipe for success unfortunately it's been decimated with injuries or you know health and safety protocols from dennis Schroeder to marcus Gasol to um you know uh i think i think Kosis has also been out as well yeah yeah, yeah. a few that, a few yeah. times actually so i mean it, it disrupts anytime guys are out for for yeah. a significant period of time it disrupts that chemistry and it disrupts that rhythm and guys have to find a way uh, to get it back. I hate the term next man up because it's saying like, okay, your man doesn't really matter, which we all know that's a bunch of BS. Um, so you really, I hate using that term. I know what they mean. Like, hey, guys, have got to step up and we got to, you know, keep the thing moving. But I just hate that term because it kind of just kind of takes some value out of the guys that are not there, like an Anthony Davis, like, you know, at the time, Dennis Schroeder, um, you know, guys like that. So they've definitely had to rally. Um I do believe, you know, the Lakers have made a mistake um, by not signing Dwight Howard at the beginning of the season because I do believe if you had Dwight Howard now, the Lakers wouldn't have lost as many games as they've lost in AD's absence because they do have a big presence. And I was talking to a colleague yesterday uh, on, what was that, Tuesday night, and I said the difference between this year's Laker team and last year's Laker team, the versatility. The fact that Frank Vogel can play big. So if you want to go big, okay, we'll put AD and Dwight out there. Or we'll put Dwight and JaVale out there. And we'll finish the game with AD and Dwight. Or if you want to go small, we'll put Kuzma out there. And we'll put LeBron and everybody else. You put Caruso and THT and everybody else. You want to go medium size? It's like pick your combo. Which one you want to run with? That's now, they don't have that type of versatility because you have no Rajon Rondo who's whose IQ is off the charts when it comes to the game of basketball, complete floor general. Um, You don't have Dwight Howard, who to me is a renaissance man because he definitely revitalized his career and got a lot of confidence and really uh, talk about a guy that writes his own story, really uh, capped it off by coming back to the Lakers, redeeming himself with Laker fans and Laker nation and winning a chance, being an instrumental part of winning a chip in the most difficult time of the season in the bubble. Um, and then you don't have JaVale McGee. Uh, so there's a lot of factors. And then you have Marcus Saul, who to me, I, I, I really has been a disappointment. I think speak on it, brother, <laughs> speak, speak on it. Well, I, it, 
if you would have got him two years ago, you still have something left. You know, you still have some tread on the tires for sure. But now I think he's definitely past his prime. I mean, you don't uh, you're really not missing anything without him on the floor. I mean, I, I hope everything is all right with him health wise. I, right. I hope it's not anything serious. Uh, but as far as on the floor is concerned, you're not really missing anything with him. I mean, you that's, that's why I said I think they really missed it when it came to not re-signing Dwight Howard. I know they were in on Trez, I know, and I think Trez was a great addition, but I think they should have found some way to keep Dwight Howard. Uh, if you want to trade JaVale, I get it. You know, you, you come back with, you know, something in return, which they did. Um, I love the Dennis Schroeder addition, but to me, this team is really, in all actuality, this team is in trouble. I know people don't want to say it because they're racking up wins and they're in there, but they're letting teams hang around that wouldn't normally hang around if they had the proper personnel, in my estimation. Um, you, don't, you don't think that that's more on Dwight, though, rather than the Lakers? Because he did sign with Philly a, within, what, the hour? You don't think well, that no. Dwight could have maybe waited a little bit? Well, here's the if thing. He knew if, he was getting a minimum deal? If I signed you... If I told you, okay, you and Chris are going to be on my radio network, but guess what? You're only going to do updates. You're not going to do the full show. You're going to do 10-minute updates at the at the bottom of the hour. And another radio station called you and said, hey, Chaz, we want you to do, we want you to be our, our lead guy. We want you to be, you, you're going to get, we're going to give you a co-host. We're going to give you a producer. Right. Right. Where are you going? Where are you going to go? You're going to go with. It. I'm going to go with the better opportunity, but that's on me. I'm not. So all I'm saying is I'm with you on that. But with the Lakers, I I don't think that they made a mistake. They wanted him. It's just that he got a better offer, and they had other priorities that were a little bit more bigger than him. But I would. I'm with you. I wish Dwight was on this team way a lot, but I just I just put more of the blame on him than the Lakers because. It was ultimately his decision, and well, it, they get, and they both offered him the same deal, but just a different role, like you said. Yeah, but also too, from my understanding, he wasn't going to get a whole lot of PT. So if I go to being an instrumental part in this championship run, in this playoff run, and then you telling me I'm not going to get a whole hell of a lot of PT, why am I here? I, I can still play. I'm a, I'm I'm still a a, a, a a an ingredient that's needed <laughs> with this with this cake that we bought to bake. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not Marcus Saul. Yeah. I'm not Marcus Saul. Yeah. I have a half inch vert, and I can't get up and down the floor. It, yeah, no, it's it's definitely an interesting situation. I personally think it had something to do with him talking about it prematurely. Between that and the fact that the Trez situation kind of came up out of nowhere, where it's like, okay, hold on, before we get to Dwight. Let's figure out this Montrez situation because this guy could be what we need in order to repeat. He obviously is not, doesn't have the same defensive cachet or the experience or the resume as Dwight Howard, but we've seen that what Montrez can do in recent years, especially during the regular season. And I still don't put what happened uh, between the Clippers and the Nuggets on him. Jokic gave everybody the business. He was outstanding, as was Jamal Murray. So I don't put that series loss on him. I think that opportunity came up. Once they signed it, I think Dwight said, they basically gave this dude my spot. So now I'm going to go elsewhere where I could play all of those backup big minutes. I, I yeah. personally think that's what happened. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't blame either I, side. I think, I think it's a yes or no thing. I think there are things that, you know, weren't worked out or maybe not clarified. 
um, on both ends, maybe. That's true. Yeah. But if I'm the Lakers and I know it, I know certain components will allow me to repeat. Now I understand about the Rondo situation because that was a money thing and they couldn't afford to bring everybody back, especially with the salary cap going to be coming down because of COVID, because of the 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 money, the business side of it. So that was an unfortunate situation, and I understand that part, um, which is why I'm glad they got Dennis Schroeder because I think he's younger. He's going to be around the team for hopefully a, for a, a good while. Um, but I think when you look at a big man and when you had the, 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 like I said earlier, when you had the variety where you can go, you can pick combo one, two or three. And Frank Vogel was sticking his chest out like, hey, let's run it. And he could do that because he had the, he had the arsenal to do it. Now, not so much. And this is why I believe the Lakers are one of the reasons why they're struggling, not just because of the injuries or the protocol, but because they don't have the per- the depth that personnel um, that, like they had in the, in the, the 2020 season. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how I think the Lakers are a playoff team, no question. Uh, but I do not believe that they will win the NBA championship without a 90% healthy and pain-free Anthony Davis. Um, I don't see that happening at all. Uh, if the Clippers happen to make a move of some of some sort, uh, you have to still look out for the Phoenix Suns. I think the Phoenix Suns have done a remarkable job this season with Chris Paul, uh, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton, and props to Monty, Monty Williams for doing his job. But James Jones should get a lot of credit as general manager uh, for putting that squad props together. To them. Yeah. Um, you have to still look at – I mean, Utah, to me, has always been fool's gold. Um, you know, they're a good regular season team. But in the playoffs, if you're going through a seven-game series, they get exposed. For some strange reason, they get exposed. And that's no disrespect to Quinn Snyder, who I think has done a phenomenal job. Uh, I do believe he should get coach of the year if he remains at number one for the remaining uh, part of the season uh, because he's done a remarkable job. He's had the best record in the entire NBA uh, at a certain point. So I think he deserves that credit. But when it comes to the playoffs, it's a whole different season. We all know LeBron James is a completely different LeBron James. He's playoff LeBron. Um, playoff LeBron takes it to a whole different level. And so if he can rally the troops and have a 90% uh, pain-free Anthony Davis to go along to work himself back into basketball shape, um, I think they're going to have another recipe for success. Do you, do you think that they're going to make a move at the deadline? Because personally, I don't. I, anytime any kind of Laker trade rumor comes up, I completely dismiss it mentally. Uh, as far as buyout season as a com- and uh, free agent signing, it's a completely different subject to me. But mm-hmm. as, as far as specifically trade, do you think the Lakers are going to make a move within the next week on the trade market? I don't see it. Um, if they do, they're very, very quiet. Um, I'm sure Rob Palinka is working the phones yeah. um, because he's just that smart of a guy. Um, I don't see a trade because I was talking, we were talking to Eric Pincus um, on the Believe in Lakers podcast, and he was breaking down like the money situation as far as, you know, trade value, uh, buyout value. What can, what can players expect to, you know, what can you afford with certain players? What can they expect? Um, and I think it's just a situation where um, they're more probably going to lean more towards the buyout market. If an Andre Drummond does get bought out, if a LaMarcus Aldridge does get bought out, um, if we all know what happened with, uh, with with Trevor Ariza, which, you know, a lot of Laker fans are hoping that Trevor Ariza will return back home to L.A. and play back in purple and gold. But unfortunately, you know, the Heat had a better offer 
uh, in, in the OKC Thunder, you know, in, in that, that upper management group decided that that was a better turn for Trevor Ariza. And, and you no know, props to Trevor Ariza. I, I think he's, he's sensational. I think he's a great guy, always does well with the community. Um, he's been working out hard, so right. he deserves his opportunity for certain. Uh, but when you look at what uh, the Lakers can do, they're very limited. So right. they have to go after an Andre Drummond if he gets bought out. They have to go after a LaMarcus Aldridge. But I always say everybody's looking at the Brooklyn Nets. Everybody's looking at the, the L.A. Lakers. But there's a third team that people aren't paying attention to that can slide in mm-hmm. real quick. And that's the Los Angeles Clippers, the team across the hall. Yep. Um, just to, just to, as they say, muck up uh, <laughs> the opportunities for the Lakers to try to flourish. So you got to be very careful when you when you look at the buyout market. But the Lakers do have money to spend on a buyout market. Um, not as much as the Brooklyn Nets. For example, if Andre Drummond were to become available, the Nets can offer him about $5.6, $5.7, I believe, million dollars to be a part of it. I mean, if you look at what happens with, you know, the, the Lakers, now the Lakers could give him less money, but if the Lakers can, as we say, spit that good game in his ear and say, hey, you want to come to L.A.? You, you like the attention. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, gonna, you, you're about to be due for a fat contract. And you want to get a championship, you know, if you want to be all on, on all in the bright lights, all on the court, you know, come to death row. So that's basically think, what you can do. I think he's coming. I think if he does get bought out, he's yeah. definitely coming to L.A., but I don't think he's getting bought out. He, he's getting traded the next week. In my it's opinion. that's going to be so interesting. And what I find what I find so interesting about this whole thing is the fact that these guys are making a lot of money and, and they would have to forfeit a lot in order to become unrestricted free agents and sign elsewhere. So uh, we got a couple more for you, Nick. Thanks for being so generous uh, with your time. You've been fantastic. Uh, switching gears a little bit uh, to LeBron James. Uh, obviously, he's had a fantastic year, back-to-back triple doubles, but he made news for another reason. Him and Maverick Carter, once again, one of the most dynamic partnerships ever right now. These guys have just been fantastic. They became part owners of the Boston Red Sox joining the Fenway Sports Group. Uh, what does that mean for baseball? What does it mean for the organization? What does it mean for LeBron himself? Why was that such a significant story? Well, first and foremost, let me say congratulations to LeBron James and Maverick Carter. I think that's a, a huge accomplishment. Uh, LeBron James on Tuesday night did accomplish his 99th career triple-double. Shoot, he may shoot for 100 on Thursday. Uh, when they play the Charlotte Hornets, who knows? But uh, as we sit, you know, it's 99, uh, 99 career triple-doubles, but uh, trouble ain't one. But the thing about it is when you look at this Boston Red Sox team, you saw it. If you paid attention from a business aspect, you saw a move such as this coming. I mean, back in 2011 when he owned about 2% of Liverpool FC, well, the Fenway Sports Group owned Liverpool FC. So they were already building that relationship and cultivating that relationship over the course of time. Obviously, they own the, the Boston Red Sox. They own uh, in, uh, in NESN, which is a, uh, the sports network out there uh, in Boston and in New England area. They're looking to dominate. That, that sports group is looking to add an NBA franchise, an MLS franchise, uh, possibly a WNBA franchise to their portfolio. And when I heard LeBron say something very interesting is that he wants to continue to develop his portfolio. That sounded more like a Magic Johnson type of move right. than, a, than a Michael Jordan-esque type move, even though he wants to be an NBA owner, as he said so. However, I think this is huge for baseball because with the lack of diversity in baseball, when it comes to upper management and ownership, 
Now, Maverick Carter and LeBron James are just four black men that are a part of an ownership group in the entire Major League Baseball ownership circuit, which is a good thing, but it shows how much baseball is behind the times still. When you have seven, when you have 7% of black American baseball players on the current rosters this season, and you only have four black owners in Major League Baseball, and I think he, with his influence, his platform, he could definitely try to break barriers. Will he meet with some resistance? Absolutely. It's just interesting how it, it became the Boston Red Sox, who's had a history of racism when it comes to their organization. I mean, this was the last team back in, I think, 55 or 57 that integrated with a black player on their team. They were the very last player, uh, very last team, rather, in Major League Baseball to add a black player. We know the city is not racially friendly uh, with, when it comes to the, with the, the city of Boston. We know what you know, folks have, have, have experienced uh, by playing with the Boston Red Sox. We know what they've said. So the fact that it happens to be Boston, I th- and I'm not saying this about the current ownership uh, group with the, with, uh, the Boston Red Sox, but I'm saying it's just interesting how LeBron chose the Red Sox in order to be able to do that. The Boston Red Sox are an interesting group. I think, you know, it, it shows a couple of things. I think for LeBron, it shows the fact that he's continued to be, you know, diverse. Um, he wants to be in an ownership box. I don't know if he wants to be controlling owner. He may want to be like Magic, where he just controls enough where he has his voice heard and makes be able to make moves. But I think it's also great, as he said, for the kids at his I Promise school that say, hey, if LeBron did it, why can't I do it? Whether you're a young girl or a young boy, why can't I do that? And, it, and, and he's absolutely right. And I think this is a great move not just for LeBron, but for the, the overall communities that follow LeBron, right. that look up to LeBron. And LeBron has always had a business hand, and LeBron has been instrumental in getting a lot of these other uh, basketball players thinking about post-basketball while they're still playing. Um, so you have to give a lot of credit to LeBron James and Maverick Carter, Rich Paul, who, who's now we know he's coming out with a memoir on uh, Rock Nation's literature uh, circuit. So Rock Lick. So you know, congrats that. to him as well. You know, Randy Mim, can't forget about him. So LeBron has really been a, a really key piece on, you know, using his platform the right way, being able to speak out on issues that he needs to speak out on, being able to make the, these business moves that he needs to make. And I think it's just phenomenal. So I, mean, I, I have nothing but admiration. I have nothing but congratulations towards him and his group because I feel like with that, Man, the sky's the limit, man. And I, I love seeing this. I mean, he, he was the same guy that talked about possibly buying the Atlanta Dream before, you know, Renee Montgomery became a right. part of that ownership group. But I believe he sparked the interest um, to get the ball rolling. And that's, and that's the power of LeBron. If he speaks something out there, somebody's going to bite on it. If he doesn't do it, somebody else is going to bite on it. Oh, he's going he's gonna to give that assist to that person to make sure they, they score the bucket uh, when it comes to the business side. So, yeah. I have nothing but, again, I have nothing but admiration, and I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of LeBron James and the examples that he set thus far. That ripple effect is real. Exactly, and, and obviously I, th- I think the Magic Johnson comparison is brilliant. If it wasn't for somebody like Magic Johnson and then paving the way for somebody like Michael Jordan to become owners of a, of a team, former athletes be- becoming owners, that's just amazing right there. Nick? Thank you so much for, for joining us here on the Showtime Forum podcast. Please tell our listeners how they could follow your stuff, man. Well, thank you so much for having me on, guys. I, I really appreciate it. It's been a long time coming. I, I thought you guys didn't love me anymore, man. You know, brother, walk away. <laughs> and I just, 
Hey man, that's Dre. Don't he ain't with Death Row no more. Yeah. <laughs> but no, man, I appreciate no you guys uh, having me on. Continue success to you guys as well. Uh, I've been watching. Um, you can follow me at Nick Hamilton LA on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter at Nick Hamilton213. Also subscribe to me on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash NH Experience TV. Every Tuesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, TMA with Nick Hamilton on Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145. And then every Thursday, Dash Radio, Dash Talk X, myself, Jackie Ray, uh, The Opposite Reaction, 4 p.m. Pacific time. And then you nice. all on all streaming platforms. So, you know, I'm, I'm like Visa, baby. I'm everywhere you want to be. One of the, I, you know, I, I once could, you know, James Brown was known as the hardest working man in show business. Nick Hamilton, the hardest working man in the sports media's business. Thank, thanks again, Nick. Appreciate it. Keep hey, up the good work, man. Thank you so much. I try, man. You, you guys have a good rest of the day. Hey, man, let's see if these Lakers can go ahead and, man, get in this top two seed, man. Absolutely. That's, that's the goal right now. So take care, Nick. Appreciate it, man. And uh, we'll have you back on again real soon. Absolutely. Take care, guys. Take it Peace. easy. Thanks again to the great Nick Hamilton for joining us on the Showtime Forum podcast. That was a fun interview, huh? That was great. That was great. Very informative. My man just has his ear to everything. And like you said, the hardest working man in the sports media business. So props to Nick Hamilton for coming on the Showtime Forum podcast. And I had to, and I had to do it in the voice of James Brown's hype man. You know, the hardest oh, yeah. working man in show yeah. business. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like but. That. But yeah, no, Nick, Nick was fantastic. Thanks again for, for joining us. Uh, you know, we haven't had guests in a while, so that was definitely a nice change of pace. Uh, I'll tell you another guy who's been changing his pace, and it's been a lot more aggressive. It's been quicker. It's been harder, and that's been Montrez Harrell. You know, it's been kind of a, an odd year for Trez, and obviously he knew who he was with the Clippers, right? He had an established role. Uh, he was the sixth man of the year. We saw the potential the last couple of seasons. We even said this guy was going to make somebody like Anthony Davis work uh, in a potential playoff series, even though he doesn't match up with these guys size-wise. Montrezl Harrell backs down from no one. And after a awful performance in the loss against the Phoenix Suns, from that time on, the Sacramento game before the break, even though he missed what could have been the winning bucket, through the Indiana game, Golden State and Minnesota, these last four games, he has just been dominant, Chaz, and really yeah. starting to find his role, uh, re really uh, uh, buying into his role, establishing his rhythm, but also staying true to who he is, which is an energy guy, can finish around the rim, not going to back down, brings toughness, plays with that chip on his shoulder. So it's been great to see him really bust loose even more and get more comfortable uh, in his new surroundings here with the purple and gold. Yeah, and to be honest, I tweeted this out last night after the Lakers beat the Minnesota Timberwolves, was that for me, I'm not surprised that Trez is doing this. Trez yeah, has shown that he's... Trez has shown that he is capable of producing at a high level and efficiently, if given the opportunity. My gripe with Frank Vogel, my only gripe with Frank Vogel primarily this season has been primarily his rotations, but specifically how he has taken out Montrez because of size or what, you know, or his belief or not, or lack of confidence in his defense is what my belief is as to why he hasn't played Trez in certain situations, like in 
against Detroit in that double overtime game or even against the Wizards. And I believe that game went to overtime as well, uh, as well as against uh, the Utah Jazz when the Lakers got blown out by, it felt like 50, but was 30 uh, a couple weeks ago. So, uh, but I, I know that Trez is capable of this and I'm just appreciative of the fact that he stayed ready throughout this entire time. He stayed completely ready to go as far as physically in shape. You know, we haven't had to worry about him. It's the mental thing that obviously I've, I've had to, you know, think about a few times with him because of him you know, kind of, you know, quite frankly, publicly grieving. It's, it, it, it looks like, you know, and, and going yeah. through things personally. And, and it's kind of a different generation than, you know, people that are in their 40s or 50s now that, you know, we're guys in their 20s are talking about how they feel on the internet. And um, whether you're famous or not, that's just kind of the platform that we have now. So uh, I'm glad that, you know, we have a good family of social media, uh, as well as like Jeannie Buss that can surround him with Laker love and, um, you know, he and he's, you know, battling his, fighting his own fight. But Montrez Harrell has been great for the Lakers. I think that if he just gets more opportunities, he's really going to find uh, his role and kind of like what Nick Hamilton was talking about when you have guys in and out of the lineup and missing protocols and this and that it's, it's hard to get continuity, especially when you don't even have a training camp or practice the number of practices. I think the Lakers have practiced. I think their 10th time was the other day um, last week, 10 times. Yeah. And, and you played almost 40 games of uh, more than half the season. So um, I'm just looking forward to the second half and, what Trez can do when it really counts the most in the playoffs as well as the finals potentially. Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously Montrez hasn't, doesn't have that sort of pedigree. In fact, a lot of people have said that he was the reason or one of the big reasons why the Clippers lost that series, because he was just too undersized against Nikola Jokic. But you know, like, like I've said, I'm not going to defend Montrez Harold. He did not have a very good postseason at all. He, uh, he obviously was uh, dealing with the death of his grandmother, who was the equivalent to a parent to him. It wasn't just a grand, it wasn't just losing a grandmother. Uh, like a lot of people lose their grandmother. It's sad, but at the same point in time, it's not like losing a parent for Trez. It was like losing a parent and going back to some of his tweets. I think it was a reflection of some of the pain and the mourning that he is still going through. I mean, yeah, it, it's probably been closer to a year, but still, uh, you know, I've lost a parent Stuff before, never goes and away. I understand what, the, yeah, exactly. And I, and I remember on the one year anniversary, I'm coming up on five years and it still hurts. And even there will be a memory or a moment that'll come up, that'll trigger something. And, you know, sometimes when you're kind of going through something or, you know, you're kind of in a low moment and you think about that time, it brings you sort of to a dark place. And uh, I'm glad to see Jeannie bus was behind him. And I'm sure his Laker teammates, Anthony Davis and him are good friends. I'm sure LeBron reached out. I'm sure a lot of his other teammates reached out to help, you know, pick him up, but it was also good to see him out there in that game against Indiana and played well. I mean, let's be honest without him and Kyle Kuzma, they don't win that game against Indiana. They were sleepwalking through most of that game. Even LeBron, you know, 18 points, 10 assists, but he did not look totally engaged. It almost felt like the Lakers had just come off of a weekend vacation and went to work that Monday. And it's like, ah, we need We need another day to get ourselves, you know, back in the swing of things back home, you know, unpack and get our, you know, readjust and get rid of that jet lag. That's how the Lakers look for three quarters. And then 
you know, Trez and Kuz kind of sparked to come back and LeBron and, and Dennis Schroeder made some big plays down the stretch. But the one thing you could always count on with this guy is his energy, is his activity, is the, the chippiness that he plays with. And I love that, you know, as long as it, you know, doesn't warrant any technical fouls, it's almost Dwight-esque. Now, obviously not Dwight's defense, but the energy, the toughness, the activity around the rim, that's very much what Dwight Howard brought to the team uh, last season. So, and I think Montrezl Harrell has kind of picked up off of that. Uh, Frank Vogel called him. I think this was a great term, a great culture fit. The guys love him. He backs down from no one. He's got great hands. He could finish around the rim. And now you could see he's getting even more involved in the offense. So they're actually calling his number instead of him just relying on uh, putbacks or, or offensive rebounds or things like that in order to get it, it, his own buckets. Catches everything, finishes everything. Quote by Frank Vogel earlier this year in training camp. So Montrez has done a great job and is playing hard and working hard at all times. So uh, props to him. And more than anything as well, I like that little flip push shot that he has. I don't see that do too. from too many guys. I, I like that shot. It's a very effective shot that he's made a lot. And I love to play the hardworking plays that he has where he got back to back to back um, dunks from LeBron James off of assists in the fourth quarter uh, to really solidify that win against the Minnesota and the Timberwolves. So um, looking forward to what he can do and, you know, how he really is going to gel in his role moving forward. So, yeah. And it brings up an interesting question for as much as Laker fans are clamoring for another big man. We've heard DeMarcus cousins. We've heard Hassan Whiteside. Obviously the big prize would be Andre Drummond. What people don't realize is that what would that mean for Trez's role? Exactly. Would it obviously uh, Drummond would start and they probably wouldn't share the floor too much at the same time. I mean, maybe they would, I'm not really too sure on a drum into Lakers scenario, assuming Anthony Davis comes back and you have a fully healthy squad. What would that mean for Trez? What would that mean for Kuz? You know, you know what I mean? These guys are really starting to fit in and buy into their roles right now. And yeah, you're playing some soft competition. So maybe it looks better than maybe what it really is. So there's a lot of different ways you could look at it, but Assuming the Lakers add another big man in some capacity, doesn't have to be Drummond. It could be somebody else. What will that mean for Montrezl Harrell? Will he still be able to play the, the minutes that he's playing right now? And will he still be as effective as he, as he has been these last four or five games? Um, unfortunately to say it, no, uh, I'm saying it now. The Lakers are not going to get anybody else. I don't think, I think that they're just going to be, I think they're, they're just going to strike out not only in the trade market, but on, on the buyout market. It's just what's going to happen, in my opinion. I just don't think that they're going to get that, the player that we think or would like to, for them to get. Yeah. I think Drummond is going to get traded somewhere. He's not going to get bought out. I don't believe that that will happen. They, they will get something for him. Uh, if they were able yeah. to, you know, Blake Griffin, you know, might be a buyout guy. LaMarcus Aldridge, but, you know, that's, that's not a guy – I think that the Lakers would want to go get given having Anthony Davis. It's not, he's not really a center. It's just another big body, but Damian Jones is already another big body. That's probably cheaper that already has good continuity with the guys after the last 20 days or. And he's and playing, half, whatever, well. Whatever yeah, he's playing well. Yeah. Yeah. And he's jumping out the gym and, and I, I love the, the tenacity in which he's playing. So um, first and foremost, I just have to answer that question. I don't think that the Lakers are winning, but if the, let's just, I'll entertain it. Drummond's on the team. There's nothing in my mind that 
Bogle has shown me previously that shows that Trez is not going to get adequate minutes to even get, you know, decent numbers or close to the same numbers that he has now. It's just not going to happen. Why? Because Vogel already believes in playing somebody that's bigger. If he can't, if he won't play Trez in the stretch against Robin Lopez, when you don't have AD or Marcus all, then why would he play him if you have Drummond and AD on the floor in the playoffs? It's just not going to happen in my opinion. Yeah. And one of the things I brought up too is whoever comes in, they've got to be comfortable with not always finishing ball games because as we know, Oh yeah. And once again, we're talking as if Anthony Davis is going to be 90%, if not a hundred percent back. Right. So if Anthony Davis is back and we know not just the Lakers do this, everybody does this. Now, everybody goes to a smaller lineup, the Miami heat, they, they throw out a bio at the five and you got Gobert and basically four guards out there for the jazz and the Clippers have done that too, going with a small lineup. That's basically positionless. So whoever comes here and, and I, and I'm not even just going to say the Lakers here, jazz, I'm going to say Brooklyn too. Whoever goes to the Lakers or the Brooklyn, uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets, they got to be comfortable with, potentially not finishing games because the Nets have D'Antoni and Nash. What do they want to do? Pace and space. That's what they want. They want three, you know, three point shooters out there. Go, go ahead. Who, who has more of a role to offer? Do you think Brooklyn has a bigger role to offer? Brooklyn wants Drummond for two. Role? Well, let me say this first. I'm going to answer your question in just a second. Let me say this. Brooklyn really wants Drummond for two reasons. One, we don't, if we have them, we don't have to face them again down the road, basically. Not just for the Lakers, but anyone else in the Eastern Conference that may be looking for him. And two, we need another six fouls against Joel Embiid in a potential Eastern Conference final showdown. That's, that's the only reason why the Brooklyn, or the only two reasons, I should say, the Brooklyn Nets want Andre Drummond. Not necessarily because he's an ideal fit next to their big three and Joe Harris. It's because... He's another six fouls to throw at Joel Embiid. That's why they want Andre Drummond. Lakers, on the other hand, they've had center issues. Pain protection has been a problem. They have more of a, of a substance role to offer Andre Drummond. However, what's the kicker? It, how many games is he actually going to finish? He doesn't really shoot the ball that well, right? Uh, he, he's, he's a good rebounder. He's a good, he's a good shot blocker, but how many teams are you going to be facing? That's actually going to have size that he's going to be able to match up with. I could count maybe three or four teams, Portland with Nurkic, Utah with Gobert, Denver with Jokic. That's pretty much it. You know? So is he going to be playing crunch time minutes where I'm sure he would like to play or is Frank Vogel going to go with AD at the five? LeBron, Kuz, Schroeder, Caruso, whoever, KCP. That's what you got to uh, ask yourself. Because think about this, Chaz. How many, how many games did Dwight and JaVale finish last year? Not many, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get it. I, I think that Drummond is better than both Dwight and JaVale. Probably True. put together at this point right now. So, True. like – so I think I think Drummond will find his way on the floor regardless of the series. But I mean, the Lakers are guaranteed to play one of those teams that you just named in the playoffs, if not two of them. Yeah. Hell, could even be all three of them, to be honest, with, all, with the way could. with the way that the games are set up right now and how close the standings are and how many games we have left to go. So um, it, it's definitely a possibility. And that's why you want to it's just insurance. I think the Lakers can can get through 
every team in the league, as long as they have a healthy Anthony Davis, without making any additions whatsoever in the trade market or the buyout market. Now, why do you go get somebody else? So that way you have the insurance. That's why you go get a J.R. Smith or a Deion Waiters or somebody like that. So that way you have somebody in case, I don't know, KCP gets hurt or Kuz gets hurt or whatever the case may be. You have somebody you can slide in there and you could have easily, not maybe Jr. but Deion Waiters would have, would have played a good role for the team if, you know, God forbid Rondo or somebody else like that got hurt. Thankfully they didn't. Lakers were able to pull off the championship run and we're talking about it now, but I could very well see Polinka getting another insurance policy uh, in the buyout market. I just don't believe that they're going to get the type of uh, dynamic player that's going to make a huge difference like you or I or anybody listening to this podcast as a Laker fan would hope for. Yeah. And I'm not going to be disappointed if they get Andre Drummond, but I, like I've told you before, you will, you would notice a significant difference if you had Hassan Whiteside, Robin Lopez, and now as we're seeing it, the last six, seven games, Damian Jones, just his impact. I mean, granted it's, it's in short minutes, but you're seeing the impact. You know, I, I, I don't know if it was you or somebody else tweeting from the Showtime forum, uh, Twitter, but that somebody tweeted out about LeBron alley-ooping after the Lakers won the, the jump ball, alley-ooping to Damian Jones on the first play of the game. And perfect. I tweet, I res, yeah, exactly. I replied with a gif of old man Biff Tannen for Back to the Future Part 2 saying, there's something very familiar about all this. And do you know why I said that? Because that's what the Lakers used to run a lot of last year. Jump ball, alley-oop to McGee or jump or, or, or to Dwight if it was in the playoffs or something like that. So we haven't seen that because obviously Marcus Gasol is not wired that way. So even just having somebody like Damian Jones, who's probably the worst out of that bunch of all the guys that we've mentioned, you're seeing a noticeable difference where penetrators and guards are thinking twice about going in the paint. Why? Because they know Jones is there who could block or alter shots and muck up the paint a little bit more. Quick question for you really quick. I know this might be, this is, no, I don't think it's a little off topic, but what sickens you more? The fact that the Lakers traded Zubox away for Mike Muscala and he was, isn't on the team anymore, or the fact that the Lakers traded JaVale to sign Marcus Gasol when we need Marcus Gasol gone and JaVale back. I, I think we would all agree that JaVale would be more, Obviously, we want Dwight back, but JaVale is, I mean, right. he had JaVale, right? JaVale yeah. was under contract. We didn't have to trade JaVale. Yeah, we, we, had, I mean, him, we had him for one more year, yeah. What, I was the, under the assumption JaVale was going to – Um, Honestly, I would say it was the Ibaka trade – or I'm sorry, not – did I say Ibaka? I meant Zubak. Muscala. The Ivica Zubak, yeah, for 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 yeah, exactly. I, I got Zubac. my I got my two guys mixed up. <laughs> Zubaka, <laughs> Zubaka. what too. a name! Uh, no, I kind of I kind of I kind of merged Ivica Zubak's name with Serge Ibaka, so therefore you have Zubaka, uh, <laughs> or like Chewbacca, you know, a little Star Wars reference. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but I, I think I was more upset at that trade at the time because I know the Lakers needed assets. So granted, I understood trading him to clear up that cap space. I just thought they could have gotten a pick or two because Zubak had actually been playing really well. I wasn't upset. I was actually happy about the Marcus Saul deal at the time, because one, we were talking about the Clippers being interested in him. So now you're blocking the Clippers from making a move right to, to get Marcus Saul. 
And I kind of felt mm-hmm. like high IQ big man coming off of a championship, you know, two ne- nearly two years ago. Um, you get a guy in there who is going to make a lot of good decisions on offense and defense. Now, what are you losing? Well, you're not going to get a guy who's going to be blocking shots or rebounding or able to rim run as effectively as McGee. So basically your front court is becoming more offensively sound. Whereas last year's front court was a lot more defensively sound that that's the difference. So I can't really say I was upset at that deal with JaVale for, for Gasol. Yeah. Hindsight's 2020. Of course, everyone's upset about it now, but at the time there were a lot of Laker fans who were happy. I think a lot more people, if you ask them honestly, if you ask them honestly, were upset at the Zubac trade more so. Yeah. Oh, I was, I, I was very upset at the Zubac trade um, because I knew, to be honest, I knew at the trade deadline that we weren't going to make the playoffs more than likely. Like, I just, LeBron had missed too much time. And I'm starting to think, I, sure. is AD going to miss as much time as LeBron did that season? If, if he is out until April 1st? Or, you know, just depending yeah, on when he gets back. But I think LeBron was out from, he came back, post all-star break at the end of February and, and he yeah. was out from, you know, and he was never the months. same. No, and he wasn't. Yeah, he was. He wasn't the same. And you could see like, even though the numbers were there, his impact, just the athleticism wasn't there. You saw him get blocked. I forgot. I think it was Mario Hazonia blocked him in New York. And yeah. I was just like, LeBron doesn't get blocked by letting no the, scrub like the ball that. roll out of bounds. Even... Yeah. Letting the ball yeah, roll out of bounds. And then hitting the and... side of the backboard. That's yeah, when he was so, you know I was at that game when he threw when he threw that to Bi in Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it just yeah. That season started off with some promise. I mean, you never got the sense that the Lakers were a championship team, but you you felt like okay, this is good enough to get into the playoffs, maybe challenge somebody. But it was obvious that that team just never quite meshed together. Compounded with how many injuries did they have the second half of the season? But yeah, that Zubac trade, I still look back and be like. You couldn't squeeze out a first or a second for this dude. Come on, man. Something. But unfortunately, Ugh. Marcus All is yeah. does he it looks like he has a player option for two point seven million dollars next year. Um yeah, exactly. But I mean you could he could always exercise that and you could buy him out or you could include him in a deal or something like that. I mean, that's not that's not difficult to negotiate no, a buyout on or, or move. You know, somebody somebody will take that contract on. Yeah, but I'll tell you this, though. Speaking of LeBron James, he's been playing like an MVP. I mean, he's definitely in a crowded MVP pool, probably the most crowded MVP pool we've had in quite some time. We've heard names like Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. I I said it from the beginning. If James Harden works out in, in Brooklyn, don't be surprised if he, you know, gets some MVP votes. You know, we thought Durant earlier in the season before the hamstring injury. So, I mean, there's just so many guys, and I'm sure there's going to be more, Chaz, that come out of the woodwork. But where right now do you think LeBron is in the MVP race? One. And, and he's been one. Um, <laughs> Without the, the, only player that's, the, the, the only player that's even been close is Joel Embiid. And the yeah. Sixers, like, think about it. Are, are the Sixers having a better season than the Lakers? Yeah, I guess so far, but they have the same exact record today. They're both 27 and 13 as, as I'm speaking right now. So, and the Lakers have had to deal with, I mean, they've all, Joel Embiid is out as, as is AD, but Joel Embiid played a lot more than AD has and has had a better season 
than Anthony Davis has. But LeBron James has been clear-cut the MVP, and the narrative is there. It's just a matter of time until he gets it. Um, I think he's going to do the same thing that he did in the second half of last season when you had those big wins against Milwaukee and the Clippers in the same weekend. And, you know, he was playing great and the Lakers were rolling going into the playoffs as the season was coming into an end. I think he's going to do the same thing um, in the month of April as well, maybe towards the end of April and Mm. in that final stretch. And I think it's been really a two horse race now a three horse race could because I put Harden in there. Um, But here's the thing. I was listening to Amin Hassan and I was listening to Tim Legler and uh, Joel Myers, one of, you know, one, a guy that I'm a huge fan of on uh, Sirius XM radio earlier this morning. And they were, they, they went about seven deep. They went about seven or eight deep. And I understood that their point, their points at the end of the day, but there's only three finalists for uh, the MVP voting. And I think that those players are LeBron, Embiid, and Harden in that order uh, right. because Harden missed a good portion of the season. And I, as good as Dame and Steph and Giannis and Kawhi, people don't say anything about Kawhi either, but as good no, as those guys Paul are. George And Paul George has been good too for the Clippers. Uh, yeah, but not MVP good. Uh, but well, earlier I, on, I, I, yeah, I, so. yeah I, but I just don't think that the conversation is seven deep. It's really about those three guys, LeBron, Embiid, Harden, and it's going to come down to Embiid and LeBron. And as long as LeBron, uh, because Embiid is going to miss some time. That that knee injury, I, even though it wasn't as bad as what people thought it could have been or should have been because of how big Embiid is with the hyperextension of the knee, um, I think that LeBron James, if pending health, obviously, um, he'll just turn it up in the second half, gearing up for the playoffs, and he'll run away with the award, or should. Well, yeah, we shall see. I mean, I thought he had a stronger case last year. It was a tremendous ba- bounce back season because everyone thought he was washed up after uh, the growing injury. And people thought, oh, this is the beginning of the end for LeBron James. He missed the playoffs. I mean, what does that mean? Uh, you know, he's done. He's washed. He's this, he's that. I mean, even now you go on one of LeBron's posts on Twitter. I mean, I am just astounded by how much hate this guy gets. I mean, he put out a heartfelt tweet toward the victims of the families of the, of the tragic senseless shootings in Georgia. And people were like, Oh yeah, you're only saying like the insensitive BS. People I don't even want to repeat no... it. I'm just going to paraphrase one that said uh. no, but like, and people are saying like, win a real ring la fraud. And then they're listing all of his like career career failures and all of that. And it's just like, and then, and then they're trying to like, just say like, Oh, you know, now you care. And, and where are you? It's just like, can a guy put out a tweet that we should all be, you know, tweeting about if you're a decent human being, uh, if you're a decent human being acknowledging, just like you and I did before that interview with Nick acknowledging the victims of that shooting. Can't somebody just do that. And people say, Hey, you know, respect or, uh, hey, our thoughts and prayers are, are are with him without it being about his basketball career or whatever career shortcomings he may have or something like that. It's just the, the amount of disrespect. Like, and I even I'm in group texts and people throwing that stuff out there. I'm just like, you guys got problems. I'm not saying you got to love LeBron James, but you got to still respect what a guy has done, man. Come on. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I had to get atheist. that off my chest, man. I, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Get, get it out. Get it out. Uh, it's just, 
always going to be haters. You can't please everybody. And there's people that just have it out for the guy. And there's always going to be people that say anything negative. I think it's laughable. And I think, I think yeah. that's the reason why he, there's no way he reads that. So he doesn't even see it. No, He's right enough I, of it. But it's just the fact that it's even being put out there is embarrassing. It, it just makes those people that say that look bad. Um, it just kind of shows the, the armpit of America yeah. that just has those people that just says, you know, every, everybody's a tough guy, you know, on the other end of that phone. Yeah. Behind a computer so, screen. Yep. Yeah. So that nobody, everybody's no, I, I only as, only as tough as their phone allows them to be. And that's, you know, it is what it is these days. And that's the pluses, but also one of the minuses of this day and age and social media that we live in. No doubt. And it's just like 18 years in, 36 years old. Okay, throw out the rings. Throw out the rings. Look at the numbers. Look at the freaking numbers. 26, 8, and 8. 51% shooting. At 36 years old, 18 years in, and those are not 18 years where, like I told you before, the seasons ended in the middle of April, you know, when people are collecting their tax returns. No. His seasons went to June, pushing the 4th of July. And this guy is still playing at an elite level. That's got to at least be like, okay, I'll give him that. That's got to at least get that kind of reaction. Am I wrong? No, no, you're not. And you're absolutely right about that. It's going to get that reaction. But here's the thing. LeBron James is going to go down as the greatest basketball player that's ever lived. He is. um, Eventually, when it's all said and done. Because he is going to be the only player that's going to be in top five in points and assists all time. He's going to get five or chip, six chips. It's going to be five or six. One of the two, you pick. I, it's, it, he's going to get at least one more, whether it be this year or next year. And I think that ultimately, if he's going, he's going to get at least one more MVP as well. And he's going to be the leading scorer of all time as well. He's going to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Karl Malone for that top spot when all is said and done. The only thing that people are going to be able to say negative about him um, basketball-wise on the court or an argument against him and for Jordan or anybody else for that matter, but specifically Jordan, is they're going to say, well, he didn't go six for six and he didn't have that, um, you know, hit that finals record and he didn't have that one finals meltdown in 2011 against the Mavericks. Those are the only things that they can say about him. Outside of that, right. if he has, they just better hope he doesn't get to six chips because if there's any way LeBron James can pull two more off and be the number one scorer of all time and top five in assists, there is no argument at that point to me. So, and I think that's what people hate the most. Yeah, of course. And then people are trying to say like, oh, well, the bubble championship and all of that. Okay, last time I checked, you still had to win 16 games. Last time I checked, harder, the games actually. were still 48 minutes. Last time I checked, you were isolated from everybody with the exception of your teammates for three months, but it was almost like a, a military type of service where it's like a, almost like an Academy. I, I'll Come. throw it that way. It's almost like a, a police type Academy away for three months where you're isolated from people. I don't think you had it wrong the first time compared to how these guys live outside of the bubble pre COVID. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and, you know, I'm, I'm reading this stuff and I'm just like, some of it's funny, but it's just like, man, all of you Twitter trolls out there, you guys all have hate in your hearts. I mean, it's just, it's sad. They, so they let it I'm out. glad he's playing at a high level. I, I'm glad he's playing at a high level. I'm glad he's healthy. Obviously the Lakers need him now more than ever, especially with Anthony Davis out. And I hope he at least gets 
some, you know, a lot more first place votes this year than he did a year ago, because last year I thought was really disrespectful. 14 first place votes to Giannis. I mean, come on, man. That was, that was bad. That was bad. I think Philadelphia is, I think, I think Philly is going to flounder at some point. I, I don't think they can keep it up. Um, ultimately, and I think LeBron James is just going to separate in the second half of the season. So, um, in my opinion, that award is LeBron's to lose, not to win. It is that that award is his this year, in my opinion. Well, we shall see. It's going to be very interesting these next 30 some odd games. And if he continues to stay healthy, knock on wood, and the Lakers continue to win and put themselves maybe in that two spot and jump Phoenix and maybe come a little bit short of Utah. But right now it's, it's fair game. Lakers, I think are only a game back of, of uh, Phoenix and only like what, two and a half or three behind Utah. So, I mean, you're right there. I mean, nothing is, is really out of position. The Clippers are kind of, you know, they've been sort of up and down this whole, you know, the last uh, month. And I know it that's getting to Kawhi and, and, and their, and their team, but they're also beat up as, as well. Everyone seems to be dealing with something. So we shall see what's going to happen, but Lakers 3-0, trying to make it 4-0, uh, coming up Thursday night against the Charlotte Hornets. What, what were you going to say, Chaz? I'm sorry. Uh, they are two and a half games out of first place, tied with the Phoenix Suns. Really quick, before we go, current standings, Jazz, Suns, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Blazers, Spurs, Mavericks. Oh, yeah. In that top four, how do you see the Lakers or just the Western Conference filling out really quick? You think the Jazz will hold? Yeah, you think the Lakers, Suns, or Clippers will catch them? What do you think? Jazz will hold, but I don't think that's going to be convincing. I could see the Lakers jumping Phoenix uh, at the two spot. Phoenix and and them tight race to the finish. I think Clippers are hanging on around four. We'll see probably Portland. I I, I haven't really paid too much attention to the bottom four uh, of the conference, so I, I got to assume Portland is in there. Um, fill, fill me in. It's it, who else? Who else? Is uh, Portland. Portland, Portland is six. Denver is fifth. Spurs are Denver, seventh, surprisingly, Denver. and Mavericks are eighth. Um, yeah. You got yeah. the Warriors I mean, and I the Grizzlies see. that would qualify for the play-in. Remember, it's seven through ten this year, so all you got to right. do is make it to the tenth seed, and, and then we shall see from there. But I think those are my top uh, four. New I'm Orleans not gonna... is on the outside. Yeah, and I, and I could see New Orleans potentially being sellers at the deadline, uh, if, especially if they don't have any intention of re-signing some of their free agents this summer. They could end up moving some pieces at the deadline. They're, they've got about four or five guys that I'm sure teams would love to get their hands on and help them. Steven yeah, Adams, uh, uh, Lonzo, yeah. Josh Hart, uh, J.J. Redick. So wouldn't surprise me if they made a move. They're about, so, two, anyway, they're about those, two and a half out from the play-in, so – yeah, I think I have the Lakers one. I think the, uh, I got Lakers one, Jazz two, Clippers three, Suns four. I think the Suns are going to – they can't keep that up, I don't think. It, Dude, all we could do is watch the games and see what happens. But, yeah, you're starting to see maybe Utah loses some steam. May, I mean, they certainly look more vulnerable. Even in their wins, they haven't really been convincing as they were, I mean, they were dominating. And I even said, they're going to come back down to earth at some point. They just, they're not the golden state warriors. So they may be shooting like them, but they're not them, you know? Uh, so we, we're going to see how it all plays out, but I, I think they still find a way to hold on to that one spot. Lakers two, potentially Phoenix three Clippers four, and then we'll see about five through eight. I think that's going to change quite a bit 
between now and uh, and the end of the season. But hey, Chaz, it was great to ha- to to get back on on this podcast with you, man. I know we took some time off with the All Star break and whatnot, but it was uh, it was definitely good to have you on, and uh, or not good to have you on. It was just good to do this again, man. Just like old times, right? An extended episode of yours truly on the Showtime Forum podcast. So uh, yeah, we are in the full stretch of the season. I'm looking forward to it. And I, I, we really got number 18 in our sights. So as long as we can get AD back, I think it's, it's going to be closer to the three-week period. I don't think for another four weeks, I think two to three more weeks. So I think by by the time, by the first week of opening day in baseball, you'll see AD hit the floor again. Well, that would definitely be a welcome sight. Well, been a good one. Thanks again to our uh, special guest this week, Nick Hamilton of Nightcast Media. Be sure to follow all of his stuff at Nick Hamilton LA uh, for all your up-to-date Laker coverage, as well as uh, other LA sports teams. Dodgers, Rams, doesn't really matter, but it was a pleasure to have him on. You could always follow us at Showtime Forum on all streaming and social media platforms. Be sure to download and follow all of our podcasts. Chaz, how can they follow you, my friend? You guys know where to get get at me on Twitter at Chaz Pearson, on Instagram at Chaz P. Uh, where can they follow you, Chris? You can always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camello. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, C Camello One, Camello's Corner by Chris Camello on Facebook. And Chaz, when are yes. you and Devon gonna get back on that post game Laker Trail? We are getting back on, I believe, within the next week or so. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, Showtime Forum is back. We just have uh, a a new at. So there's an underscore in there. So uh, you'll you'll be redirected if you go or look us up on Showtime Forum. So we are back. We are giving you all the updates. Me and Chris are back on the podcast. We're doing the halftime show. Um, Jonathan Watson is going to be heading that up. Uh, you've been on it, obviously, with him, um, and, but he's obviously going to still be doing that. And me and Devon are going to be back very, very soon. So be on the lookout, and I'm looking forward to this championship run, man. And we still have to do, you know, Instagram Live now allows you to put four people on a live. So we may have to do a collaboration, halftime show and post game. You will show. see that very Version soon. Together. So be on the lookout. Absolutely. Us- yeah, us two, Devon and Jonathan, that'd be that'd be out of control right there. But uh, it, that's going to be fun. So thanks again, Laker Nation, for tuning in. Uh, be sure to follow us and take care of yourselves. I know we're starting to open up here in LA. Hopefully, we get some fans at Staples Center soon. So the days are starting to get a little brighter, and we're not. I'm not even just talking about in a literal sense. So thanks again. Take care, and we'll talk to y'all soon. Peace.